Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Football Cavalcade. I'm John Dooley, and we are done with week zero, and we are ready to go with week one. Yes, it's time for the week one preview. I'm recording this on Wednesday night. You may be listening to this on Thursday afternoon before some of the games on Thursday or on Friday or on Saturday or on Sunday. Guys, gals, there's games every single day this weekend. Labor Day weekend, it's glorious here. Some of your last chances to barbecue if you live in the upper Midwest. I'll tell you one thing that bothered me today. Uh, when I was done with a meeting at work, I wanted to get something to eat. And uh, there was nowhere to go. Where do you go? You know, I, I wanted eggs. And there's no more diners anymore. Remember how every town used to have a 24-hour diner that you could just go to at any time? And if you're of a certain age like me, back in the day, this is going back some years. You know, I was a smoker. You could just go there and drink some coffee and smoke some cigarettes and have a couple omelets. Life was good back then. We cared about this country back then. It was a different time. Now we don't need diners. I can't even, you couldn't even get via Grubhub an omelet sent to you because no one's making one. So I went home and I made one, which honestly I should be doing anyway, right? I should be making my own omelet. Like it's not a big deal. It's just mixing together some eggs and some ham and some cheese. It's not brain surgery. I need to be paying 15 bucks for an omelet. I could just do it at home, right? But I was in the mood. I had a good day. I wanted to go to a diner. I want an omelet. Have some ice water with it. Have a cup of coffee. Sit down. Talk with the woman I love. You know, basic stuff that you just enjoy. Trying to get those good moments out of the way before football starts. And uh, I don't see her for about five more months. You know what I'm saying? Trying to build that time. Build those relationships. Those are the things you got to do in the football season. You got Tuesday and Wednesday, and that's about it. I mean, those are the only days, right? The other days, just a lot of football going on. I'm just kidding, of course. There's always sports. There's always something going on with, for me, it's my daughter and her, her dance. She's got dance going on. They got school going on. They keep starting school earlier and earlier. I don't know. It's supposed to be in the mid-90s next week and all the kids are going to be in school. It's kind of a problem, right? Should be outside. Maybe let school go a little bit later. Start a little bit later. I don't know. I don't know what the answers are. My name is John Dooley. You're listening to the Midwest Football Cavalcade. I don't know what's going on with my voice right now. Usually I'm not Mr. Stutters, but I've been been like that early on. We have some big games coming up tomorrow. Or today, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, Thursday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And we're going to review some of those games in the Big Ten, the Mid-American Conference, and a quick look at the Missouri Valley Football Conference as well. And would you believe they were playing games last weekend? Oh, my God. Craziness. We saw Notre Dame really take it to Navy. What did you guys think of Sam Hartman? What did you think about what you saw? I saw a very comfortable and poised quarterback. That's what I saw. I was kind of surprised they they left him in the game so long, but you have to remember last year, they almost blew that massive lead to them. So I think they wanted to kind of make a statement. We talked about yesterday, uh, excuse me, last week in the preview, Notre Dame went to sleep at home against some mediocre teams. And I'm being kind when I say mediocre, when they 
lost to Marshall and lost to things. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what's what are the goings on in the college football world, predominantly in the Midwest. And if you can hear paper tussling around, that means I'm serious, right? You know, whenever you're watching the news and you hear someone shuffle the paper, that's big stuff right there. That means that that's, a, that's someone who took notes, big research. And I've been doing research all week, listening to some press conferences, getting some live look-ins, watching some video. Nothing I like more than the hype videos, right? Isn't that the best thing in the world, the hype videos when they put everything together? There's nothing better than watching a Kent State hype video. Going to get psyched for some golden flashes football. How could you not? I mean, let's be honest. They're returning four starters this year. Anyway, looking at the start, and I'm going to be doing this in a manner that is um, chronological, meaning that we're going to start with the Thursday games in the Big Ten, then move till Sunday. And then I'll go to the Mac and then I'll do a quick bit on the Missouri Valley Football Conference as well. I won't take time previewing uh, Notre Dame and Tennessee State. I know a lot of you look for a Notre Dame preview with some of these games. I'm not going to do that this week to focus on some other games. I feel fairly confident Notre Dame is going to come up on top. But I, I do want to reiterate what I said previously about the Navy game. I think that's been a big focus for Freeman. I think that's been a big focus for the program because they had those lapses last year against those weaker teams. They really want to make a statement. They want to show that they can play a complete game and that they're not going to be lazy. And another thing that I saw from last week, not to keep going on this, but man, is it just me or is Estimate just that much bigger? He looks huge. He looks ripped. He looks like a real, real running back. Still interested to kind of see how the move for Tyree to wide receiver is going to be. Um, and they look a little small on defense. They do. They look a little small. I, I'm not impressed by their size. I don't feel like they have a championship caliber defense. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge them on that. They'll obviously get that test against Ohio State. We'll see where they're at in that game. So a lot of people thinking that this is a top 10 team. Uh, I, I, word's still out for me on the defensive side of the ball for Notre Dame. So we'll see. We'll see how they look over these next couple of weeks. We'll have a pretty good idea. Let's get to the games in week one. And also, I guys, I did not forget for you Mac fans listening. I know, I know Ohio played a game last week. I know, I'm not dumb. I know it happened. I'm aware. We're going to talk about it briefly, but we have an OU preview, right? Eyes forward, Bobcats fans. Eyes forward. First game, Nebraska at Minnesota is taking place Thursday night, 7 p.m. on Fox. And if you're listening to this on Saturday, you already know the result. You already know what happened. You're probably yelling at me. You're like, Dooley, what the hell? Minnesota won 41 to 6. What's your problem? I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. But the Gophers, Matt Rule, his first game as head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I think we can all agree he's kind of in his environment. Although I was listening to some of his quotes this week, I was watching some of his pressers. He's kind of weird. He's a weird guy. I'm putting that out there right now. And I'm and I'm doing this in a preview for a game featuring PJ Fleck. So if I'm saying that he's weird and PJ Fleck's involved in the game, I think that probably tells you a little bit about, you know, where I think he's at. 
Um, these are two teams that I think are going to struggle in the Big Ten West. The Gophers are favored by seven. The game will be on 7 p.m. Central on Fox. Uh, Anthony Grant is obviously out with that suspension. That is a big loss for the Huskers at running back. Uh, Miles Farmer is also art in that, uh, out, and that really hurts the depth uh, for the Huskers as well. You may have heard in the news about Eric Gilbert, the tight end who was arrested for shoplifting. It, things aren't good. It's not not ideal, I would say, right now in Lincoln. Hey, by the way, I can't go through this preview and not talk about the amazing job they did last night with the 91,000 fans at that volleyball game. That's a really, really cool thing, and everybody associated with the Huskers should be very proud about what happened there. Grant missing is really going to hurt uh, because uh, Minnesota's front seven is susceptible. It's one of their weaker parts of their team. Uh, Nebraska's going to want to win this game. They're going to have to be able to run the ball. That's not, I know people just like to say that. Well, you got to be able to run the ball if you're going to win the game. Um, uh, but in this case, Nebraska really would need to. And without Grant, I think that's kind of an issue. Um, what to watch? Uh, the Gophers receivers against the Husker DBs. You've got Daniel Jackson and uh, Brevin Span Ford up against Quentin Newsom and that uh, Nebraska defensive backfield, which I think is actually a, a fairly decent portion of their team um so you will see it we'll see how that goes uh kelly mcmanus will get a decent challenge early i'm not saying they're world beaters in nebraska's defensive backfield but i do think that they're a, a, a one of their better groupings of their team so uh he'll be at home he'll feel comfortable so we'll see what happens in that game um and, and, you know i'm noticing when i do these previews i'm like people probably want a prediction right they want to know they want to know what's on the What's on the mind of a John Dooley, right? They want to know what the prediction is. Um, I'm, I'm going to go take this down to the wire. I think this one's going to go to the end. I've got Gophers 26, Huskers 23. And you can laugh at me for those of you that are listening to this later. Uh, Mac versus Big Ten matchup. Woo, woo, woo. Get out the fire alarm. This is big time. This is Midwest crossover football. It's very big for this podcast. The Central Michigan chips, chips. The Chippewas are at Michigan State. Uh, the Spartans are 14-point favorites. Game taking place at 6 p.m. on FS1 on Friday. Um, decent matchup. Good opener for a Spartans team that's in transition because Central's predicted to finish fourth in the MAC, uh, middle of the pack MAC team. That's I think that's who you want to host. You you want to make sure you win the game, but you also kind of want somewhat of a challenge to know where your team's at, and, and Central is that team. Uh, Spartans, as we said last week, great front seven with Halliday and Windman. Uh, they don't have the best passing game. No word yet from Tucker. He's been mum as far as the recording of this broadcast. I checked right before I came on, Spartan fans. I checked right before I came on on this Wednesday night. I know how important you are as Spartan fans. I, tr I treat you as the most important people in the world. Uh, Hauser and Kim, there's been no decision yet at quarterback. I'm uh, based on some hints given online, I'm leaning towards Noah Kim. That's just my idea. Hopefully, we'll hopefully I'm right, and we'll see that on Friday. Uh, but what about the chips? What can Spartans fans expect? Well, this is a team that's pretty solid on the defensive side of the uh, defensive side of the ball. Dante Kent's one of the best uh, corners in the MAC. Uh, that's a guy that's actually on some draft projections. So you NFL fans, take a look at that one. And Michigan State should dominate. Um, uh, although, when you look at a game like this, with a young quarterback taking hold for the Spartans, 
uh, you know, that's always going to present some issues. So this is going to have to be burgers night. This is going to have to be a game that's ground out. It might not look pretty. It might not look sexy. And I, I think we had that last year, right? It was kind of a similar type of a situation, if I remember correctly, when they played, uh, when they had their Mac game last year, which I think was also against Central Michigan. These are things I got to know right off the bat, right? I have to know if they played the previous year. I'm almost positive it was Central. Lot because I'd put I'd put all my faith into Michigan State football and then it didn't go the way I thought and everybody was yelling at me and it was not fun. Anyway, let's move on to our third game. We've got an 11 a.m. start on Saturday. So we got a game Thursday night. We got a game Friday night. Oh, let's move to Saturday morning. Saturday morning. You've gone, you've you've taken care of the lawn. It's gonna be hot here in the Midwest, by the way. That's another thing for you, you betting folks out there. Keep that in mind where it's going to be hot, where they're playing on turf, things to think about. I know you do. I got a couple people, a couple people I'm close to who listen to the podcast. They're big on bets. They're aware of the heat. They know it. They're aware of it. They take notes. They're like the Jim Cantor of football weather knowledge. East Carolina is at number two, Michigan. The Wolverines are a scant 36 point favorite. Um, this game will be on Peacock at 11 a.m. Central. That's 12 Eastern for all of you degenerates in the Eastern time zone, which, by the way, is the worst of the time zones. Nothing worse than being in the Eastern time zone. So if you're in Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, just terrible. I don't know how you live. Maryland, Pennsylvania, awful. Just the worst. Anyway, you can always move here. It's great. Central time zone. Champions of the time zones. Um, so like Southern Miss, uh, East Carolina is known traditionally as an upset type school. So they've historically been that way. You can look at their Jeff Blake teams and David Girard. They, they've always had a knack for upsetting uh, power teams. This is a mid-of-the-pack American team. Uh, Michigan's defense should own the Pirates based on my research. Um, and you guys know this, you're not going to get better research anywhere else. I'm, I'm digging near and far for this information. Um, they bring 10 starters back from an eight and five team. They have a young and inexperienced offense. They have a very young offensive line and ooh, that's a problem against this Michigan group. That's Michigan doesn't really have any weak spots on this team, but this is going to be an issue for the pirates. Uh, they're decent defensively. Julius Julius Woods, a guy to keep your eyes on. He's uh, one of their core safeties. Uh, but Mike Houston has his work cut out for him. Something to keep in mind, though. Mike Houston's a good game planner. This is still a team that won eight games last year. This is still a team that almost upset NC State in the opening week last year. So just something to keep your mind on. NC State was number 21 in the country, and they almost beat them. I know they're not bringing back the same level of team. But this is a good program with a good coach. These dudes believe in themselves. They're not going to back down. And, and being on the turf now in Ann Arbor and the heat, it's not going to affect them. If anything, it's going to affect Michigan more than it's going to affect East Carolina. These people out in the Carolinas are used to practicing in this stuff. This is nothing to them. So big thing on a hot day like this when you're a heavy favorite, pound on them early, get up to a big lead early. Things should go their way. I don't foresee this being much of an issue for Michigan, although man, the 36 is a fat one there. They're putting a lot of faith in the Wolverines. 
Move it along. That's what we do here. We're not wasting time. We know you got things to do. You can hit pause anytime, come back to me, but I got all sorts of info here. Utah State is at the Iowa Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes are 24-point favorites. They'll be starting at 11 a.m. That game will be on FS1. So as of the taping, Cade McNamara is a game-time decision. Uh, Ferentz expects him to start. Uh, That's what he said in his talk tonight. So Ferentz, as of, geez, maybe two hours ago, said he's going to start. Um, and he's hoping that he's going to. I don't know what's going on. Now, we do know that the Big Ten just came to an agreement where injury reports have to come out. I think it's 24 hours before game time. So they're now adhering. There's going to be less of this BS of like, oh, you know, Maccabee's knee might be attached to his leg. You know, they're actually going to say what's going on. So that's going to help from a gambling standpoint. But I don't do that stuff. I don't gamble. I like my money. I like keeping my money. That's not true. I occasionally gamble, but I do a very small amounts, very small dollar to $5 bets. That's all I do. And occasionally my kids don't eat, but Hey, who cares? Um, Hawks favored by 24 Utah state is looking like a middle of the pack mountain West team. Uh, Their offense is a little rough, not a lot returning from a six and six team. They have a very young offensive line which whenever you play an Iowa team that's strong on the defensive side of the ball, that's always going to be an issue. The Aggies lost 116 career starts in the offseason from their offensive line. 116 career starts. I I feel like repeating that like 30 times. They lost 116 career starts. Um, So with... An offensive line that's struggling with a good defense that Iowa has, it should create short field. So if Cade McNamara is playing and Iowa's trying to get that offense going and trying to develop some confidence after that terrible stretch they had last year, I think this is a really good game to do it. Uh, They should be dealing with shorter fields, which means that should accumulate into points. Um, Hawkeyes brought back a lot. Um, Remember, though, remember, for those of you who could rewind the tape, I don't know why I remembered this and I couldn't remember Michigan State playing Central Michigan last year. If I look up and it's Western Michigan, I'm going to be so pissed off, by the way. Anyway, Iowa beat South Dakota State 7-3 to last year. Now, given South Dakota State, as we've mentioned on this podcast before, last year was one of the top teams in the FCS. That's not some gimme team. Now, a Big Ten team should always beat an FCS team, especially a team that's going to a bowl. But I'm just saying, not a total pushover. South Dakota State's really good this year, by the way. South Dakota State, I believe, would beat Rutgers, Indiana. Uh, well, that's about it. That's still pretty good, right? At least given, like, like not even question, not even a question. If they walked on the field, not an upset, I would favor South Dakota State over Rutgers. That's how good that has nothing to do with Rutgers and Indiana. It's just how good South Dakota State is. You're only getting this information from someone like me because I'm like the only person you're going to know who knows the Big Ten and the Missouri Missouri Valley Football Conference. That's it's just how it goes. Um, Brian Ferentz, this is his day. You got to get 25 points per game. You want to hit that part of your contract? Uh, you're going to have to be able to load up on days like today. But they do remember what happened last year. Um, but these guys believe it. Hey, they wouldn't have brought back all these guys on the offensive side of the ball if they didn't believe in what they were doing. If there was a mutiny 
and the dudes like didn't believe in Iowa football and they didn't believe in the Ferentz family and they didn't care. They would they would be gone because let's be honest, last year was a rough year. I'm sure walking around campus, going around the state, people were making jokes about their offense. If they could leave, I'm sure they would, but they didn't leave. They're returning nine starters. Those dudes believe in their coach. That's why they came back. So let's see. Let's see if they can actually create something there. We've also got Fresno State at Purdue, 11 a.m. on the Big Ten Network. This is always a huge favorite, by the way. So Purdue's favored by three and a half, which essentially means it's an even game. They usually give three points to the home team. And, um, (laughs) uh, you know, this is an 11 a.m. start with a West Coast team. That usually is bad news for the West Coast team. They they did some record on this. Stanford was complaining about this years ago. They had to go to Northwestern for an opening game. It was 11 a.m. and they were all complaining and blah, 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 blah. We would have won if this game wasn't at 9 a.m. But hey, you got to play when the game is being played. Uh, Fresno went 10 and four last year. This is a tough start for the Boilers, by the way. Fresno, now they're only returning 11 starters, only four on offense. So this isn't a typical a really great Fresno team, but they're an upper tier Mountain West team. So a good, a good team. Like this isn't some low level Mac team that's coming in. This isn't some FCS team. It's a good football team. It's a good out of conference matchup. I would normally feel good about it if it wasn't for all the transition taking place at Purdue this year. So uh, this is going to sound like such a cop out to say this, but I mean, it really is Hudson cards game, right? It's really going to be about him and how he does and how he transitions with this offense, uh, really to get an, uh, a look at how he looks with Sheffield, Maccabi, and the entire and the entire offensive set, and to look how comfortable that they're going to be. Um, it's going to be tough for Purdue to run. Uh, Fresno has actually a pretty good front seven, one of the higher rated ones that's in the Mountain West, based on what I saw. Um, Lavelle Bailey is a, an NFL prospect, so that's a, a name you want to keep your eyes on. Uh, they got seven returner, returning starters, and they're mainly in their front seven. So just something to kind of take a look at when you're watching this game. Uh, it says three and a half. I think it's pretty much head to head. Oh, I didn't give predictions on the other games. I should probably do that now. Gee, this is a poor plan. Hey, guys, uh, come on. It's week one for everybody, right? It's week one for everybody. Cut me some slack. All right. Um, Michigan State against Central Michigan. I think the Spartans are going to cover this 14. I do. I can feel it in my bones. Uh, I've got them winning 28 to 7. Michigan and East Carolina. I think this one's going to be 45-17 Michigan. I don't think they're going to take the full 36. Just my just my just my feelings. Uh Iowa, Utah State, but they got the Hawks favored by 24. Man, that's a lot. But a lot of people are really confident about how this Iowa transition is going to be. Everybody's really confident. I hey, I gotta see it. You know what I mean? I got to see it. I, I'm just not going to blindly look at it. I think Iowa's going to win 30 to 10. Feel good about that one. And Purdue and Fresno, you guys are going to hate me on this. I think Fresno's going to pull off the upset. I think Fresno's going to pull off the upset. Actually, you know what? I don't think so. Purdue's going to win in overtime 27-24. There you go. Our next game, I think this might be our last one before we go to our break. Ohio State at Indiana. So this is a game where you are going to want to close the blinds. Uh, You're going to want to tell the neighbors to not turn on CBS at 2.30. 
because this is this is going to be a, a bludgeoning. This is going to be a uh, this is going to be unfortunate. And I this is the one where I look at it and I'm like, I, I kind of actually stunned that it's only at 30. And the reason for this is that Indiana really struggles in their defensive backfield. They lost all their starters from their team last year and a couple other guys. Now, granted, Indiana had one of the worst pass defenses in all of college football last year, but it's not much better this year. I mean, it's it's a bottom, it's a below 100 out of, I forget where we're at. I should know that number. That's really a shame. I got to know all the, F, the FBS totals. I got to know if there's 127 teams, what the exact number is. I got it right here. Hold on, hold on, guys. We got, did you hear the chair? Did you hear the chair? That's the type of sound uh, quality you're getting from this. What is the uh, total? We got 133. 133, they're definitely below 100. You've got a buke. Uh, <laughs> it's Donald Digway Buke, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers kicker. It's like Buke and Harrison and the Ohio State passing attack. Uh, Kyle McCord's going to get the start. Devin Brown's going to get some work as well. So that's something to look at. I'm going to be really interested to see how that looks the rest of the year. But we'll get a look. We'll get to see really where McCord's at. And I'll have a pretty good feel. I know it's just Indiana, but I feel like I'll have a good feel for where McCord is and where Ohio State is based on his play, the quarterback core's play in this game. I know that's a lot to put into week one. I know it sounds like I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket with that, but it just seems like uh, a lot. Oh, by the way, Allen did not say who's going to start. They're going to use two kickers. He did verify that, so we joked about that earlier on the week. By the way, we're on Facebook. If you search Midwest Football or Midwest Football Cavalcade, uh, you should see us come up. I got to put the link. The best way to find us is on Twitter X. So I am at Dooley Football. That's D-O-O-L-E-Y Football. So at Dooley Football, stop what you're doing right now. Go to Dooley Football and sign up. Follow me. Follow me wherever you may go. I've got great updates on Dooley Football. But if you were following me there, we, I was making fun of it. Uh, they haven't made the decision yet as of Wednesday night if it's going to be Soresby or Tevin Jackson. Um, so we'll take a look. You know, Dexter Williams, as we said before, is still out. I like Dexter Williams. I, I liked what I saw from him. I think he's going to be a decent player, but this is going to be an issue for a defense that gave up 34 points per game last year. Looking for any sort of improvement. Indiana really, man. Well, we'll see. Hey, it's week one. It's week one. Anything's possible. Maybe Tom turned it all around. Maybe all these new guys that he has on his team will be different from the new guys he put on the team last year. Maybe these transfers this year will be better than the transfers last year. Maybe it all works out. I don't know. We'll have to see. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back with the rest of the Big Ten schedule in just a moment. All right, we are back. Uh, another game we're going to be taking a look at is Buffalo at Wisconsin. The Buffalo Bulls. I always want to say Buffalo Bills, but it comes up. The Buffalo Bulls will be at the Wisconsin Badgers. So uh, Bucky, the Badger, is a 28-point favorite. Badgers coming in ranked number 19 in the country. This game will be on FS1. Uh 
Bulls had an interesting year last year. They finished seven and six. They became bowl eligible final game of the year. They returned about 10 starters. Um, they will compete for the Mac East title. Really good linebacker and defensive back core. Not the best receiving core. Shane Dolak, who's a linebacker, and Marcus Fuqua is a person you want to look out for at safety. Those are both NFL prospects. Uh, this is kind of a tough matchup than I think the the spread gives it. I think it's a little bit tougher than that. And I think it's because of Tanner Mordecai. As I said before, I watched Tanner play quite a bit with SMU last year. They were just always on TV. I think they were on CBS Sports Network. I think that they had the American contract. Um, and I like Tanner a lot. And I think Luke Fickle, they're going to do a great job with the offense. I just think there may be some growing pains. I think there's so much excitement around this Badger team. I don't think it's just going to fly out. It's going to be very, very hot. Uh, it's going to be very hot on that turf in Madison. And uh, I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. You know, Buffalo is a fairly decent defensive team. Wisconsin's going to win the game handily. I just, I don't, I, I, what I'm saying is I don't expect this to be a 49 to nothing trouncing. I give Buffalo a little bit more credit as far as that's concerned. Um, less depth on the defensive line also with the Mullins injury that took place. We got an update on that earlier in the week. So, uh, Badgers like to rotate in a couple more defensive linemen than what's listed on their starters list. So this kind of may, puts a little bit more pressure on, on who's on the line on a really hot day like this depth matters on your, on your line. So that is a little bit of a blow to Wisconsin. Um, so it's going to be hot out there. And I think they're going to take a little bit of a hit from that. I'm, I'm excited to watch the offense. I'm excited to see all of this come together. I think the Badgers should be good on it. Um, I just don't expect it to be a runaway. I've got Wisconsin winning this one pretty handily, though, 35 to 10. Uh, Towson is at Maryland. Who doesn't love Towson? It looks like a, a Towson, but it's actually a Towson. Uh, this will be at, at 2.30 on the Big Ten Network. Towson went 6-5 and five last year. They're returning 11 starters. You're not going to get this information anywhere else. You're not going to get someone who did a Towson scouting report, okay? There's reasons why my wife looks at me really weird at 9 p.m. and she sees a Towson preview on my phone. Um, lost a lot of their offensive production from last year. Uh, Diago Hunter is a big play guy that you want to take a look at. He's going to be the one guy that they're going to try to contain uh, from their special teams crew. Outside of that, I mean, Maryland should win pretty, uh, heavily, <laughs> pretty handily. Should be a good showcase game for Tego Viola and the rest of the Terps team. So we'll see how they come out of it. Listen, Maryland wants to be treated like a big-time program. They want to be treated as a contender in the Big Ten East year in and year out. Or I should say, I wouldn't say that they expect themselves to be a contender, but I think they do expect themselves to be a player and a competitor. And what I mean by that is, look at us. We feel like we can get seven and eight wins every single year. And we can compete and that we're not just some W you can pencil in on your schedule. I think Loxley's done a pretty good job with that there, and he's gotten everybody excited about it. Um, I, you know, I still don't get the Big Ten vibe from their football program. Like when I'm watching games that are in College Park, I just don't get the same vibe that I get from other places. But that'll grow. That'll change. I think all of those ACC historical teams, basketball meant so much, so much to that populace. It was such a big part of the identity of the campus that football was always kind of second fiddle. And that's not normal for the rest of the country to kind of see. Uh, not to say Maryland hasn't had great teams over the years, because they have. They had very good teams, if you want to do your research, very good teams in the 1950s. Some solid teams in the 1980s as well. 
um, and then also at the turn of the century. Um, but I, this is the next great wave of Terps of Terps football. So it'll be exciting to see what they're able to put on the field uh, at two thirty on Saturday. Another great game between two great traditional programs is going to take place at 630 when West Virginia's at Penn State. And in normal years, this would be a great opener. West Virginia and Penn State, you got the uh, the coal versus the steel, right? You can also you can almost see the opener taking place uh, from the game being on CBS or whatever. Um, but I think there's other things we're looking at. This is a down West Virginia program, and this is a very up Penn State program. Penn State should win this game handily. They're favored by 20 and a half points. I think the big question is, is Drew Aller. It's really the quarterback play. I think if Penn State had anybody else at quarterback, people would have a little bit more faith in them. That being said, people love Drew. People swear by this guy. So I'm really excited to see him. We got a little bit of a hint of him last year. So we got to see him. I saw some really good things from him last year, but I really want to see him in a full big game environment. Uh, with his own team in his own season. He's not someone who's just coming in to spell someone. Um, West Virginia is going to struggle in the Big 12 this year. They went 5-7 and seven last year. You know, that's not normal for the Mountaineers. They want to be more competitive nationally. And they got 13 returning starters. Garrett Green is a playmaking quarterback that's back for them. He's a playmaker to watch for West Virginia. And they have a very experienced offensive line. So remember, I talked to you till I was blue in the face. Mm, Nittany blue. I was talking to you till I was blue in the face about how good Penn State's defense is and how they might be the best defense in the Big Ten, although Michigan's probably better. Penn State's got this great defense. This is a very good offensive line. They returned all their starters. This is not a gimme game. Penn State's going to win, but they're going to, I think they're going to have to grind out for a bit of it. Um, I think West Virginia sticks to their plan. They stick to, they, they're able to run the ball, which is a very tall order against this Penn State team. I think they can keep this game close for a half. And then, hey, that's the thing when you're trying to upset in these games, right? You want to try to get to halftime within a score, get the guys believing that something's going on. Maybe the other other team starts to press. Um, but for number seven, Penn State, I don't see that being an issue. I think they'll still dominate. I got Penn State winning this one 27 to seven. Jeez, his predictions come so close to the spread. I wonder why that is. Um Toledo at Illinois. Oh, this is the game we've been waiting for. This is the Big Ten game of the week. No, just kidding. But it's one of the games of the week. Toledo at Illinois. This is actually a really good game. And the spread, I think, is a little high at nine and a half. So the Illini will be playing at 630. It's a tough matchup. Toledo is favored to win the MAC West. And if you follow mid-major college football, um, Daquan Finn is one of the best players out of any mid, I, I consider them mid-major programs. Daquan Finn's fantastic. It's a dual threat quarterback. Um, and because he's a dual threat quarterback, it's going to put a lot of pressure on uh, Tariq Barnes and Seth Coleman. This is a game that will be dictated by the Illini linebackers. Cause this is a game where your defensive line can get pressure on the quarterback, but this is a really slippery guy. And your linebackers have to find a way to contain him so that other people can make plays. This is a really good and experienced Toledo team. Um, Aaron Henry even said it earlier in the week. He keeps me up at night is what he said. He keeps him up at night more than his two-year-old daughters is what he said in the presser the other day. So I really enjoyed that. But this is a really good test. This is what you want. This is similar to the Michigan State scheduling. You get a good MAC team to come in that's going to give your team a challenge 
where you're going to see a, a good test to see where your guys are at. And it's not a gimme defense for Toledo either. So Altmaier is going to have a look. We're going to have a good look at him and see where he's at and where the rest of that Illini offense is. Uh, but I really think that the game's going to be determined at the ability, the spying ability, and the athleticism of the Illini linebacking core. I think Illinois is going to squeak it out, but I think it's going to be close. I had this on my list as 19 to 17 Illinois. I think Toledo is going to play them very tough. I think it's something you got to watch out for. Northwestern at Rutgers. Oh, my God. It's at 11 a.m. on Sunday. How are you even supposed to go to church? We got to go early. You got to go early to church. You got to go to the 8 a.m. service. That's right. Get the kids going early. Dad, why are we going so early? We got Northwestern and Rutgers at 11 a.m. Of course, you got to watch Northwestern Rutgers. What else are you going to do? So they're playing 11 a.m. on Sunday. Rutgers is listed as a six and a half point favorite. This is such an interesting game, but it's probably interesting to like nine people that are listening to this. So it's not it's not interesting to a lot of people, but it's interesting to me. Uh, so Gavin Wimsett, by the way, was uh, named the starter. So Wimsett is going to be the starter over Simon for Rutgers. Uh, so Northwestern's going to have to be disciplined on the on the defensive side of the ball. So Gallagher and his boys are going to have to make sure that they are containing Wimsat. Um, can that Rutgers defensive line get to Ben Bryant? That's the other thing. Can that defensive line get to Bryant? If they can, the game's over. If they're able to get to him, curtains. Forget about it. Scarlet Knights are going to win this first game, and they would win it handily if that's the case. So we do worry about the Northwestern offensive line. Cats only have 27 returning starts on their offensive line. Two, seven. That is a problem. So if you're looking at a player who can make some plays, Mayan Ahanatu. That's a really solid defensive lineman for Rutgers. Probably their best player on their defensive line. Uh, you can expect him to be in Ben Bryant's ear a couple times as this game goes on. I... I'm really interested to see how Northwestern reacts to all of those unfortunate events that happened over the last couple of months. Uh, really despicable acts, by the way, that took place at Northwestern. There's no defending them. Um, and I make room for a lot of stuff. And you, know, you guys know, those of you who listen to the podcast, I, I try to stay away from a lot of things because I really just want to talk about football. But I really have zero patience for bullies. And I have zero patience for initiation. I despise it. I went through some of it when I played football in high school. I absolutely abhor it. I abhor it. It has nothing to do with being a man or developing you into a player. Absolutely, positively nothing. And if anybody tells you differently, that's a loser. And that's not someone you want to associate with. I just, it just makes me so angry when I hear about it. Maybe down the road on this podcast, I'll talk about some of those instances that happened to me when I was in high school. But I, they informed me to the point where I have zero tolerance for it. So you can call it a witch hunt or call it whatever you want, but uh, Northwestern put themselves in this situation based on the culture that was created in their program. So we'll see what those guys do. Not a lot of them left. A lot of guys stayed with the program. We said the camp numbers were down. They let you have, I think, 120, and Northwestern only had 103 in camp. Uh, which is very alarming. That's not a good sign. Um, but we'll see where they're at. And I I hate to take away from Rutgers because this could be a really good stepping stone for their team. And I think the focus is really going to be on, hey, where's this Northwestern team? How are they reacting to this situation? It really shouldn't be. It should be more about the football game. 
So that's what we have on our Big Ten docket uh, for the week one. That was two, five, eight, eleven. Oh, 13. Yeah. I'm not losing my mind. Am I losing my mind here? Did I not count somebody? I wonder if you guys can hear me sing. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, that's fourteen. Okay. What the hell's my problem? Can't count the teams. It's a good podcast, but he can't count the teams in the Big Ten. So let's quickly go over what's taking place in the MAC. Last week, San Diego State defeated Ohio twenty to thirteen. I kind of view that as a surprise because I'm feeling pretty good about this Ohio team. I know a lot of fans in the MAC are, are looking at them. Uh, Kent State's at Central Florida. Central Florida is a 35-and-a-half-point favorite, and that might be low. Remember we said last week Kent State might be one of the worst teams in college football. They're returning only four starters. To say this is a program in transition is probably putting it pretty lightly. Uh, Central Florida is just a mid-pack Big 12 team. This is not like a top-five team that's getting a 35-and-a-half. What would the spread be if this was Kent at Michigan? I don't know. Anyway, this one's going to be ugly. Stay away. Hide your kids. Uh, St. Francis, not of Assisi, but just St. Francis, is at Western Michigan. The Broncos of Kalamazoo will be playing on Thursday night at 6 p.m. Um, should be a big day for their offense, a field day for their offense, and for Hayden Wolf and the rest of the Broncos, uh, a game for them to get right. St. Francis played some teams tough last year. I remember they played um, uh, They played a couple. Jeez. <laughs> Let me reference the game I can't remember off the top of my head. St. Francis played some teams tough. That is the vague specificity that you will get. <laughs> That's what I should call the podcast, vague specificity football. People enjoy it. Uh, Howard is going to be at Eastern Michigan. The Bison uh, were 5-6 and six last year. They returned 17 starters. They're predicted, predicted to finish second in the MEAC. They've got a pretty potent offense. This is actually be a really good challenge for the Eagles. Um, the Emu Emus, which, by the way, should be their name. Um, they should be good with their running game with Evans and Jackson. That's kind of their their uh, their their deal. And it's amazing. Eastern Michigan, for years, for years, had a terrible football program. It's really cool to kind of see them be competitive again in Ypsilanti. So uh, that game's 5.30 on Friday. Eagles should be in good shape. I think that they'll win that game pretty handily, probably somewhere in the 20s. One of the more interesting games in the MAC is Miami of Ohio is playing at Miami of Florida. Oh, Battle of the Miamis. Uh, Canes are looking like a top half ACC team. This isn't the Miami teams that we remember from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, they'll be good. They'll make a bowl. Um, I think they should win eight games. Make it nine. Eight, nine games. I, I think Miami would be very happy if they got a nine-win season out of this. Once again, another program that's in transition. Uh, Hawks are experienced. You know, Gabbert was injured for most of the year. I kind of feel like he's a sleeper in the MAC because he was hurt for most of the year. I think he's still a great quarterback. So that'll be interesting to watch. It's just going to be so hot and humid down there. Whenever a team has to go into that area, it is just a rough one. So um, Miami's got a really good offensive line. That's Miami of Florida. 
They've got a really good offensive line. So when you have a good offensive line and you play in that heat and humidity, that's just demoralizing for a defense. So that's something to keep your eyes on as well. Ball State's playing Kentucky. That'll be on 11 a.m. on Saturday on the SEC Network. Kentucky's bringing a lot back from a pretty decent team last year. I know they laid an egg in their bowl game last year, but they got off to that great start. They kind of faded. I think everybody kind of always expects Kentucky to kind of fade. Um, Ball State, though, has some young defensive backs. And I think Kentucky is going to take advantage of them. So uh, Devin Leary should have a field day for the Wildcats. And it does not look good for the Cardinals in the opener. Bowling Green is at Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. So Liberty is nine and a half point favorites. This game will be on 11 a.m. on the CBS Sports Network for all of you Mac fiends out there. Uh, Bowling Green's got some good receivers, a terrible line on both sides of the ball. Uh, Liberty is in the dregs of Conference US, uh, Conference USA right now. Uh, it looks like Liberty should win the battle on the line of scrimmage based on what I saw. And I'm just taking rankings from players and putting them head to head. It's like my own little tech mobile. I got like a little ratings thing that I have. Um, Kendi Charles is a defensive tackle you'll want to take a look at who's playing for Liberty. I got a feeling he's going to have a pretty good game. So uh, I have Liberty winning this one. I think it's going to be very tough for Bowling Green to keep up to keep up with them. I got Liberty winning by ten. Northern Illinois is on their way to Boston College, so they are going up to Chestnut Hill to face the Eagles. The Eagles are eight and a half point favorites. That game will be on at eleven a.m. on the eleven a.m. on the ACC network. Uh, Huskies got a, as we mentioned last week. Northern's got a lot back. And they've got a lot back with their running attack and a very good offensive line. Eagles are looking like a bottom tier, bottom half ACC team. Weak defensively. They are returning 15 starters from their 3-19 and last year, but nine of those guys are on offense. They're only returning six on defense. You got that good offensive line at Northern, that good running game. I think Northern's going to cover on this eight and a half. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think a BC should probably eke it out, maybe like 23 to 21. Um, they did state, though, that this is a very experienced offensive line that Boston College has. So uh, when it comes to the players that they returned on offense, they have, I believe, the most improved offensive line in the country per Phil Steele in his most improved rankings. He had Boston College number one. So. That's a big help for a team that went three and nine last year. So if you're looking for teams to maybe turn it around, uh, BC's got to be on that list. So I think they'll still squeak it out, but this is a really good indicator once again for where Northern's going to be. And I think also a good indicator for where the Mac is going to be and what type of year the Mac's going to have is really how Northern plays in this game. The Bobbers of Ohio will be hosting Long Island. The Sharks, not the Blackbirds, by the way, no longer the Blackbirds. They have a great name, the Blackbirds. The Blackbirds, that's cool as hell, man. The Blackbirds, it's sweet. They got rid of the called the Sharks. They're the Long Island Sharks. They're like a street gang. That's worse than Blackbirds. I don't know. So this game's going to be on 11 a.m. The Sharks went 4-7 and seven last year. They're returning 12 starters. The Bobbers should really, really take care of I'm probably the only guy who calls them the Bobbers, so I apologize. I apologize. I apologize to everybody. I apologize to everybody that I use the term bobbers because uh, it's the bobcats should have a decent passing game um young defensive backfield for liu really struggling defending so rourke should have a good game for ohio uh akron is at temple the owls are nine and a half point favorites against the zips i think i told you earlier i think akron should be vastly improved this year um 
mid-level American team for Temple. Solid at quarterback, EJ Warner. I watched him last year. EJ Warner is a solid quarterback. Um, great linebacking core, but uh, Temple doesn't have the best offensive or defensive line. So let's see what Akron can do. They only went three and nine last year, but they returned 16 starters. They're doing a pretty good job building that program. And uh, I think this is a really good indicator to see if Akron's made a turn as a program. Northern Iowa, as we get out of the MAC, we're in some other games now. Uh, Northern Iowa is going to be at Iowa State. That'll be on the Big 12 network at 1 p.m. Remember what I said earlier? I think Northern Iowa is actually rated below Southern in a couple publications. I actually think they're better. So this is not a gimme game for the Cyclones. This is going to be a struggle game for them. Um, And Iowa State has a history of struggling in these games uh, against Missouri Valley football teams. And so I think the Cyclones will be fine, but... It's not going to be a gimme game. I got it like 33-17. Eastern Kentucky is at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got a, a rough team this year. They're going to be bad on the offensive side of the ball. They got a decent defense, uh, but they should take care of the Colonels. Missouri Valley Football Conference games on Thursday. The Eastern Illinois Panthers are at Indiana State. Uh, the Trees are a mid-level Missouri Valley team. So this is a really good indicator if you're an Eastern grad or if you're a Panther Uh, to see where EIU is after these rough, and I mean rough, last couple of seasons. Uh, Valpo's at Youngstown. Youngstown's another mid-tier Valley team trying to make that leap leap back into the upper tier, trying to get back to where they were in the 80s and 90s and early aughts. Um, That game will be on at 6.30 on Thursday as well. South Dakota has to go to Mizzou. Mizzou's going to destroy them. South Dakota's got a a really rough team this year. Uh, South Dakota State's hosting something called Western Oregon. So that is Western Oregon State at South Dakota State. Folks, this might be one of the best Valley teams we've ever seen. And I think South Dakota State might win this game 75 to nothing. I'm not exaggerating. Friday, Missouri State's at Kansas. They're going to the Jayhawks. They're going to Lawrence and playing at 7 p.m. This is not a Missouri State team that's as talented as they've put out on the field the last couple of years. So Kansas should have their way with them. And then on Saturday, Illinois State plays FCS non-scholarship Dayton at noon. Uh, Still a good program that they have at Dayton, so it'll be a good indicator for the birds to see where they're at. Uh, Eastern Washington, which used to be a really good program. They had a rough year last year, but they'll be at at North Dakota State. That's usually a good indicator to see where the bison are. Uh, Drake's at North Dakota at 3 p.m. Austin P will be at SIU at 6 p.m. For a lot of Southern fans, they're really interested to see where that team's going to wind up. Presbyterians at Murray at 6, and then Western Illinois at New Mexico State at 8 p.m. The Aggies trying to get back after Jerry Kill uh, lost his opening game. Lost his opening game, the former Southern, Northern, and Minnesota coach. So um, interesting to see how the Leathernecks do in that one, as they are another one of those Valley programs that's currently in transition. And that's also going to be something that we're going to follow over these next couple of years, is watching all these teams navigate the world from moving from the FCS to the FBS, which we've seen quite a bit of in the South, but we haven't seen as much of that take place in the North. So will that happen? How will these conferences consolidate? Are we going to get even more madness as the year goes on? So we'll see what happens over these next couple of weeks. uh, I will be doing a separate preview and review. So early next week, you should get a copy of the week one review. I'll be trying to do that on Monday uh, to talk to you about what took place and you'll have that ready for the week. And then I'll I'll try to get these week previews in 
by Thursday so that you have them um, as we get closer to the week. I used to publish these earlier on in the week and then I'd miss a lot of injury updates that would come through. So I think it'll be benefit beneficial for all of us uh, to make sure that that we're able to do that. So thank you once again for logging in and listening to this podcast. We'll be back next week with a week one review and then later on in the week with a week two preview. Remember to follow us on Twitter X. If you log on to your Twitter X account, follow us at Dooley Football. That's D-O-O-L-E-Y Football. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to this podcast as well and tell your friends, tell your enemies, send a link, send it out to people, put I don't blame you. It's the start of the college football season, of course. Have a couple pops. Some people are out in the Dakotas or out in Minnesota. Before they know it, it's going to get chilly. It's going to get cold. What are you going to do? You're going to listen to the podcast, right? So you got to tell your friends. So we're available on Spotify for podcasts. Uh, We are available on Apple Podcasts. That just got validated. And a couple other areas that I actually just put on. We're working on the iHeartRadio app and a couple other ones that we were having some issues with our RSS feed because apparently our email is not being validated. But uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies. We want to get you involved. We're also on Facebook if you search Midwest Football Cavalcade or you can search under Dooley Football Cavalcade. Either of those, it should come up as a page. Um, If you're looking for me, you can find me under John Dooley as well. And send me a message, send me an email. If you want to contact the show via email, by the way, there's a couple ways that you can do it. There's actually a call mechanism on Spotify. So you can actually call the number and leave me a message. I might put your message on the podcast if you call me. I'm dead serious. You could call us. You can call me and I'll put that information on there. You can also you can also send me a message right now at kittyhawkchicago at gmail.com. That's K-I-T-T-Y-H-A-W-K chicago at gmail.com if you're looking for uh, contact with me or any questions you want to have answered for the next show. Anyways, thank you for listening. Happy football, everybody. We're going to get started. Four days of fantastic football. We'll be back next week with a week one review and a week two preview. Talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Happy football. Goodbye.